Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers, using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like School districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice? curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Friends, today we're talking about something that you're already good at. We are talking about something that you probably don't even know that you're good at. And that's why we're talking about it. Because sometimes in life we develop skills or we have skills already and we don't know that we have them and we don't know how we could apply them to different situations. And if we don't know that we can or how we can apply them to different situations, then we're sitting on this treasure trove of skills and traits and experiences, and we really could be doing something effective with them. So today I want to talk about two things that I bet you probably already do. I bet you're probably already very good at that will help you in your advocacy for your child or for the children that you teach. So this came about for me when I was thinking about something that Griffin did very well as a brother. We always tease that Griffin would be a good hostage negotiator because since he's been a little kid, he was about three when Jack was born, he has had to and gotten to really develop some incredible leadership skills and some incredible negotiation skills and some conflict resolution skills. You know, I talk about it all the time here. Jack has ADHD. He has Down syndrome. He's got those expressive language delays. He's got a cognitive impairment. And all of those things kind of add up to some big behavioral things. Jack is extremely impulsive. And so the hostage negotiator thing came out when he was a little guy, probably a toddler. He's always liked Nerf guns. I, so help me God, wish that I had never given that little boy one Nerf gun because to take them away at this point would make him incredibly sad. But still at the age of 12, we're having to remind him about the rules with Nerf guns. And he used to have those things totally loaded and be at point blank range with his brother. And Griffin would just very calmly walk right up to him and, and take the gun away from him or deflect the bullet that was coming out. And he was so effective at negotiating that conflict, at walking straight into the fire. And it was literal fire. Of course, it's with a Nerf gun, so it could have hurt him, but not not badly. And, you know, it, it, that was kind of like a really obvious lesson in how skills that we develop as family members and leaders and teachers in the special education and in the disability communities really kind of help us in everyday life as well. And so as we see it in Griffin and in our other children and in the students in our classes and that sort of thing, we also then can reflect on how we are growing as people and how we can utilize these skills as people as well. 
Before we dive into today's topic, I do want to invite you to help me a little bit. I am starting to put together the roster for our third annual virtual conference, which we will host in January. I do not yet have the date. I just started working on this right now and towards kind of the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter in 2022. If you have a topic that you would like for us to cover, if you have a presenter that you would like for us to invite, if you have any ideas for the conference, let us know. I'm happy to try to get anybody or anything in the conference that you all suggest. So you have always been so great at connecting me with podcast guests and with topics and that sort of thing. If there's something that you would like for me to cover at the conference in January, don't hesitate to ask. I know I will start to get questions about the conference because I've mentioned it. We will most likely do it the same way that we've done it in the past where there is free entry for people that can watch it live. And we will charge a nominal fee for people that can get that VIP pass to watch it on demand. And we'll keep that on demand up for quite some time so that people have time to access everything that is on there. So we'll probably do it on a Saturday in January and we will seen it pretty soon. It's starting to come together. So let me know if you would like to weigh in on topics or presenters or anything else about the conference that we're hosting in January. Okay, let's pop back over to talk about parenting skills that translate to advocacy. And like I said, I don't think this is just parenting skills. I think this is kind of like human relational skills because as I indicated, you know, this first became super obvious to me in watching Griffin and then in watching Griffin, I realized, oh, I've got these skills as well. So the first one is reframing. The ability to reframe. Okay, Griffin just did this one yesterday in the car. So we use music as an incentive for Jack, as a motivator for Jack. And so I'll say, you know, if you go get dressed nicely and, oh, you know, right now it's the fall. And so he's wearing his Halloween costume all the time. And there are just some places where you should not wear your Halloween costume. And believe me, I push the envelope on where you can and cannot wear certain things. But still, there are some places where your Halloween costume should not go, and maybe it needs to go in the washer or something like that. And so we'll say if you take off your Halloween costume, he's going to be Troy Bolton from, from High School Musical, by the way. If you take off your Halloween costume and you put on nice clothes, then you'll get to listen to Bruno in the car or something like that. Well, Griffin is a teenager, and he also very much likes his music. And so sometimes the motivation that we are trying to give to Jack then runs askew with the keeping a teenager happy thing that is always also tops on our list. And so yesterday that kind of came to a head in the car on a short little trip down to Target. And so Griffin was playing his music and Jack was very politely advocating for himself and saying, hey, I earned Bruno or whatever it was. And what did Griffin do? He kind of changed the script. He flipped the script and he sold his music to Jack in a way that satisfied Jack. 
He said, hey, buddy, you know what this is? By the way, it was Jackson 5. I didn't write this down when I was planning. I hate it when I do that, and I want to tell you something. It was a Jackson 5 song, okay? A, B, C, easy as one, two, three. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry I just sang into your speakers. That's what it was. And so he said, hey, buddy, do you know who's singing this song? It's a little kid, and he's singing it with his brothers and sisters. What if we were in a band and you got to sing songs with me, your brother? What would our band name be? Blah, blah, blah. And he not only distracted him, but he sold the music. And because that song in particular is easy to get the chorus of, by the time we got to Target, the two of them were singing the chorus of the song. What did he do? He flipped the script. He sold the idea of the song because he reframed it. He didn't say, I like this song. This song is about me. I heard this song on a movie or my friend introduced me to a song or I am a human and I have a right to listen to this song. He didn't talk about himself. In this case, he sold the song to Jack kind of by distracting Jack and by giving him an interesting fact. But when we reframe in an advocacy setting, we oftentimes reframe in a way that sells the idea or the thing to the other person in a way that speaks to them. So Griffin knows naturally what speaks to Jack, and he was able to do that. When I go to advocate for people with disabilities on Capitol Hill, what do we do? We talk to Democrats and Republicans entirely differently. When I worked, I, I was on Capitol Hill a fair amount, at least once a year, but oftentimes two or three times a year when the ABLE Act was kind of in the last years of getting across the, the finish line. And one of the cool things that I got to do, and only because I was a constituent of the leader, I, you know, as a Kentuckian, am in Senator McConnell's state. And so senators are, and representatives are more likely to take meetings when there's a when there's a constituent. And so sometimes I would get to go to these really cool meetings. And I hope I was able to add something, but I don't overvalue my, my importance at the table for sure. But when I was in those meetings, what I would do myself and what I would watch much more skilled advocates do is they would talk to... The, well, okay, first of all, the ABLE Act um, is, a, is now a law that allows people to put money in a savings account and very similar to a 529 college savings account. This is a 529A account, which allows you to put money into a savings account to save for people with disabilities. The money can be spent for any disability purpose and you can put so much money into the accounts without disqualifying, disqualifying the person for governmental benefits like Social Security and Medicaid. Because, you know, up until ABLE was passed, you couldn't have $2,000, anything over $2,000 in the savings account. And so that would disqualify you from Social Security and Medicaid benefits. Okay, so that's the little bit of factual background that you need. So what we would do is we would talk to Republicans who traditionally are, you know, 
pretty jazzed about it, it, about financial aspects. So we would talk about people that were working in the in the workplace and how the unemployment numbers could really shift if we had a whole the whole disability population working more because they would be able to work because they would be able to save. And so we approached it, you know, largely from a fiscal or financial perspective. And then when we talked to Democrats, we talked about keeping people with disabilities out of institutions and in the workplace and how it was, you know, better for the mental health of people and, and that sort of thing. And so we talked about the same law, the same bill from two different angles, from many different angles, but we sold to what we thought would appeal to our audience. We reframed the narrative, right? So how could we do this at school? How could we reframe something at school? Maybe we want to push a certain curricula. Maybe we want to, you know, really get in a certain behavior curriculum or maybe we want a reading curriculum or a math curriculum, or maybe we want a talker for our child. It doesn't matter what we want. Maybe we want something new that the district's like, oh, that sounds like money, time, training, sounds like an effort on our part. And so what I know about teachers is I know teachers like to be efficient. They like to get shit done, so to speak. And so lots of times, I'll sell things with the efficiency. So let's say it's a talker, for example. I'll say, yeah, you know what? It is a lot to learn. But honestly, I used it. I used a talker for my son and he taught it to me because he took to it so quickly. And so I just kind of like picked it, picked it up with him and we actually learned it a lot faster. And here's what I promise you is it makes those breakdowns in communication so much shorter. So it becomes an efficiency tool really, really quickly. Because it used to be that he would get super frustrated when he didn't have the language. Now he can pick up his talker. There's much less frustration, which is much less time. And you spend much less time trying to regulate him after those breakdowns in communication. Well, now I've just talked to them with the magic words, much less time managing behavior. So I've sold it in a way that is talking about behavior and it's not talking about those breakdowns in communication because they might have had some kind of reply for the breakdowns in communication like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't happen here or we don't see that as often here. Or, you know, that's more of a speech therapist question than it is a general education question or whatever it is. But when I start talking efficiency and behavior, you know, that's a hot topic. And so then they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe we will try this talker thing. Maybe that will work. So what we do is we are reframing it. We're selling it in a way that speaks their language. That is something that you do with your child and you have gotten very good at. And it's something that you can do with your school team as well. Here's Coco breathing in my, into my speaker here. Okay, number two, what else do parents do? Have parents developed that translates well into advocacy? We walk right into the conflict. Now, you might say, wait a minute, I am conflict adverse. I totally get it. 
that is a personality trait. That is the way some people are made. It's not the way I was made, but I understand. I have worked with people in conflict long enough to understand that yes, conflict makes some people uncomfortable, but let's think about parenting and let's think about how good you are at conflict in parenting. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little story, and I think I've told this story on a podcast before for a different reason. So listen to it again for this reason now. Okay, so I came home one day, and we had a babysitter this summer who was not super, she did not have the skill set and the experiences that lended itself to supporting Jack behaviorally, supernaturally. She probably could have developed those skills, but she didn't. And I think that she (laughs) did not necessarily like working with us because we like haven't heard from her since her last day. So it was just kind of one of those situations where sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. So she was oftentimes frustrated and, you know, kind of, yeah, frustrated is the word. So I pulled up into our driveway one time and she was on the front sidewalk and she kind of mouthed the word help. And of course, you know, that's never something that a mother wants to see, especially after a work day when I'm still kind of like shifting into, you know, the shift from work to, to home. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, where is he? We've got this really tall magnolia tree outside of our house. Could he have climbed up high in the tree? What's going on? And so I got out of the car very calmly and I said, hey, how was your day? And she said, I need help. I said, is Jack okay? And she said, oh, he's fine. He's got the hose. Well, sometimes Jack, as we just said, he's impulsive. He loves to play with the hose, especially in the summertime. It's really good sensory play for him. And it usually is really calming for him to play with the hose. And truly, how much damage can you do with a water hose? It's cheap. It's relatively cheap. So long as you stay away from the front door and the people, you aren't going to flood anything. You aren't going to make anybody mad. And if you get dirty, you've got a hose to wash you off. So like I usually let him have at it with the hose. I'll go give him some Tupperware tubs, that kind of thing, some measuring cups. And he has a grand old time. Half the time he doesn't play with those things. He's filling up other odd things that he's found around the garage or the house or whatever. And so I said, oh, okay, did he squirt you? And she said, yes, and now I'm all wet. And I was like, okay, well, yes, that's what happens when you have a hose. You know, that's what I thought. I didn't say that out loud. And so what did I do? I walked right into the hose. I walked right into the fire, just like Griffin did with the the Nerf guns when Jack was a baby. I walked right into the fire. And as I walked into the fire, you know what I said? I said, Jack, don't squirt me. You know the rules. I'm going to come over. I'm going to talk to you about the hose. Well, of course, he squirted me. So it's just one little squirt across the front. I had on a cotton shirt, whatever. And so I turned it off. And I said, hey, I heard that you squirted the babysitter. Let's call her Susie. I heard you squirted Susie. Is that good behavior? No. Okay. I understand that it's fun to play with the hose and that you want to play with the hose. Yes. Okay. Well, then here's the rules. You may not squirt the front door. You may not squirt the people. You got it? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to turn the hose back on and that's your warning. If you do it again, I'm going to turn the hose off. Understood? He said, understood. I said to her, I'm going to go change my clothes because he's going to play with the hose and I might have to turn it off again. I'd rather do it in shorts and a t-shirt than work clothes. I'll see you later. And I let her go. See you later. Have a good day. What did I do? 
I faced the conflict. I walked right in there and I said to Jack, hey, here are the rules. Are we clear? Yes. Great. And if you do it again, here's what's going to happen. Done. No nonsense. I faced the conflict. By the way, the next day I did explain to the babysitter the, the function of the behavior. Jack likes big reactions. So it's this kind of like sensory function where he wants people to kind of explode like, ah, you got me wet. And the reason why is it's there's kind of like this attention function behind that. He likes intense attention. Okay. So I did explain that to her and she understood. And I think that aspect of the support got significantly better after that. Okay. So how can we face the conflict at school? How can we do the same thing? Walk right in there and be like, Hey, this is what I want. This is why I want it. Are we understood? Right? How can we do that at school? Same thing. Maybe it's staffing, maybe it's behavior, maybe it's a curriculum, maybe it's a grading thing that you want, maybe it's a social support that you want, whatever kind of support you want. You can go into school and say, hey, I got to say something, it might be uncomfortable, but I need to address it. I need to ask for this. Okay, so we had a staffing situation one time at our school. There was a, a person that I thought needed to come off of Jack's caseload. And so I started taking notes and I started, you know, kind of like compiling my best argument. And finally, it came to a head with him. And I observed something that I just didn't think was super safe for him. And so I called the principal. I said, is there a time I can come up today? And she said, sure, and gave me a time. And I walked in and I said, I just think that we need to address this staffing situation. Turns out the principal agreed and we resolved it very quickly. I walked right in to the conflict and I said, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. Here's my kind of data that I've been keeping and I need to, you know, I need, we need to come up with a solution together. And so what we did was I faced the conflict and we resolved the issue. If I didn't have Jack Barlow in my life, I personally would probably still be able to do that because I'm wired that way. But so many people are conflict adverse and say, no, 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 no. I steer away from conflict. And so what I'm telling you is you can't most likely because I bet you have conflict with your child and I bet you walk right into it and you resolve it quickly. If you can figure out how to take the skills that you have developed in supporting your child, you will be able to translate those to your advocacy, I promise. Why don't you start to practice it and see how it goes? Okay, friends, you probably hear Coco jumping around in the background. That's because she has a pair of my socks. And not only does she have a pair of my socks, but she has a pair of Bomba's socks that my college friends talked me into buying. So she doesn't buy the, she doesn't eat the TJ Maxx dollar socks. She eats the $5 socks. So because we've come to an end and because I need to go get the socks away from Coco, I will bid you adieu. I will see you next week. Same time, same place.